Morning, Yala. Oh, what a time of worship. Thank you, worship band. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present. Oh, that last song we sang was the first song I listened to when I got saved 20 years ago. It was the um, uh, third day, so I'm pretty sure everybody else sings that as well, but the version I listened to was the third day version from their offerings album. They had a worship album. Yo. So brings back memories of tears and me sitting in my car and listening to the song over and over and over again. So, so amazing that this song is playing today. Um, awesome. Yeah, welcome here. My name is Bernard. For those who don't know me, most of you do. So who of you were here four weeks ago when I preached my previous message? Hands up. Only one person in the whole church. I'm pretty sure I've seen more of you here. So the title was, are you an F1 racing car or are you a fighter jet? So who can tell me what that title referred to? William. I kijk also what I can do, and I weet jy gaan my say. Awesome. Thank you, William. So there, you just saved yourself like a 40-minute service, you know, so that you don't have to go and listen to it on our website. Uh, thank you, William. So yes, for those who couldn't hear, um, and maybe for the recording, so the F1 racing car, and sorry for the Brandt boys, I know this is like dangerous territory, you with your Ferrari shirt and, you know, avid fans of F1, um, in my metaphor... The F1 racing car only stops in the pit stop to refuel so that it can go round and round and round the same circuit again. So it doesn't actually get anywhere. So, and that's the picture of us coming to church, having encounters with Jesus, but not allowing us to be changed. So we just go through the same ruts and circles of our lives. And then the picture of the F, ach, the F1, of the fighter jet is they go as far as their tank of fuel will take them. They refuel in the air and then they go another distance. And the picture I had for that was for those who come to church who have encounters with Jesus and Jesus, you know, they allow Jesus to change them so that they can go further for Christ. Um, and that's where we want to be, right? So. The moral of the story is we don't want to be F1 racing cars. We want to be fighter jets. Sorry, Brandt boys. Brandt boys. Uh, oh, oh, I see some sibling, some sibling rivalry. Okay, only one. One fanboy. All right. Um, Cool. So today's message, and I did the recap now of my previous message, and, and that's enough context for you for today's message. And today's message is a little bit of a follow-up on that previous message. So if that message was, you know, what we need to do, we need to be changed, this message is a little bit of how. So how do we ensure that we are changed? So the previous question I had is, why do you come to church? That was the question of my message. And you know, the answer is, do you come to church as an F1 racing car, only getting like a, a pep talk for the rest of the week? Or do you come to church for a refuel, like a, a fighter jet, to take you further into Christ and what he wants for you? 
So that's the why do you come to church? This, uh, the question for this morning is, how do we touch Jesus in a way that ensures that we are changed? How do we touch Jesus in a way that ensures he engages with us? Do you know you can't touch Jesus without being changed? Do you know you can't touch Jesus and nothing happens? It is possible. Luke 8, verse 43 to 48. Have we got it there? Yes. I'm going to read it here so that you don't see my back. But you can read it there. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, that is Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. She touched the very tip of his robe. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and they are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, No, no, no. Someone touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And so that's the, the core scripture for today. So verse 40, which I don't have up there, it's like three verses before we get to this piece. So that's when Jesus arrives at that place. Verse 40 says, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. So it wasn't a random crowd of people. It wasn't a busy marketplace where people were just crowding about doing their own thing. Everybody there gathered for him, for Jesus. The entire crowd was there just for Jesus. Verse 42 says, as Jesus went, the people pressed in all around him. So Everybody was touching him. Everybody was trying to touch Jesus. They all pressed in together. They all screamed his name. Jesus, Jesus. They were all excited and waiting to see Jesus. And as they all pressed in, stretched out their hands to touch him, only one of those touches caused Jesus to stop. Only one touch caused Jesus to stop and caused power to flow from Jesus and caused the person that touched Jesus to be a fighter jet, to be changed forever. Verse 45 and 46. I think I might have given that. I'm not sure. 45 and 46. And it says, Jesus said, well, I read that before, who touched me? And then all denied it. Peter said, master, the crowds, there are like hundreds of people touching you all the time. 
You know, how can you say somebody touched me? Yes, we all see everybody touching you all the time. And Jesus said, no, someone touched me, for I perceived power had gone out from me. Why was this? What made this one touch different from the hundreds of other touches? What caused Jesus to respond, to stop, and to engage with a person that touched him? Any idea? No, that's the wrong answer. No, just jokes. It's the right answer. It was her faith. She touched Jesus in faith. She reached out to Jesus in faith. All the other people were screaming and pressing in, but she touched Jesus in faith. There are many references in the Bible where faith moves the heart and the hand of Jesus. Just to read a few. I'm not going to read them all because we're going to be here until next week Sunday. Jesus heals the paralyzed man that's let down from the roof. And that's in Luke 5, verse 18 to 20. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the roof tiles into the midst right before Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He saw their faith. And when he saw their faith, He said, man, your sins are forgiven. And we know the story continues where he actually heals this man. He gets up and he's happy. As you would be when you've been lame for your whole life. Jesus resurrects the daughter of Jairus. Jairus. Mark 5, verse 35 to 36. While he was still speaking... That was Jesus. While Jesus was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But Jesus overheard them talking. And he said to Jairus, Don't fear. Only believe. And he went on to resurrect the dead daughter of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. Jesus heals 10 lepers. Only one comes back to thank him. That's a story for another day. Jesus heals 10 lepers in Luke 17 verse 19. And he, Jesus, said to him, the one who returned to say thank you. Not the topic of this preach. And he said to him, rise and go your way, for your faith has made you well. Two more. Jesus heals two blind men. Matthew 2, 9, verse 28 to 30. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and, and Jesus said to them, he asked them a question. Do you believe I am able to do this? Search it within your heart. Do you believe I am able And they all say to him, yes, Lord. He touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, 
be done to you. And their eyes were immediately opened. And Jesus heals Bartimaeus. He was also blind. In Mark 10, verse 51 and 52. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked Bartimaeus. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. And he started following Jesus around. The Bible is full of examples of those who have reached out to God in faith. Like that woman with her blood flow. The Bible is full of examples of things accomplished by those who reached out to God in faith. How God blessed them. How we blessed their efforts. How we blessed the things that they did. How he revealed himself to them when they reached out to him in faith. Hebrews 11. Who knows about Hebrews 11? It's a whole chapter about the heroes of the faith. It's a whole chapter dedicated to honoring all the people who went before us. The people who taught us how to do this. So we follow their examples. Uh, it tells us how God responded to them and how God blessed them, how he revealed himself to them. Just to name a few, again, I can't even name all the names that are mentioned in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered sacrifices unto God. That was acceptable. Cain's sacrifices, on the other hand, wasn't acceptable. Why was Abel's sacrifices acceptable? Because he offered them by faith. By faith, Enoch was taken up into heaven without seeing death. We all know about that story in Genesis. If you don't, now you do. He was the one guy that never died. It says he walked with God and then he was no more. God just took him up. God loved him so much. He didn't see death. He didn't die. Why? By faith. He had so much faith in God. By faith, Noah constructed the ark. We know that story. Everybody mocked Noah. Oh, there goes Noah, the dude with a massive wooden thing in his backyard. There were, there were no floods up to that point. There were no signs of floods coming. God said, build me an ark. And here this guy was building an ark for years before the flood actually came. Um, well, I'm assuming it's years. It must have been pretty big to house every single animal. But um, by faith, he built the ark even though he didn't see the reason for it at all. He only had God's command and he obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeys God's commands. And then it goes and lists a whole bunch of the things that God told Abraham to do. And he did them all. By faith, Sarah conceived. Sarah conceived the son Isaac for Abraham in his old age. And then, by faith, Abraham offered this one and only son, Isaac, you know, he was willing to offer his son back to God to kill him on an altar. Even though God promised that through this very son, 
I will give you ancestors as many as there are stars in the sky. And he was willing to kill his son because he had faith. I don't know what he had faith for or how he thought this picture would, would look. Maybe God would resurrect Isaac right there in front of him. But he was willing to kill his son, even though that would counter God's promise. But that's what God asked, and by faith he was ready to do it. Only 12 more pages to go. And so it continues in Hebrews 11, you know, recounting all the awesome things that God has done. Does that joke grow old? I do it every week. Stephen still laughs. I like it. You know, as long as you get a chuckle out of one or two of you, that's fine. Yes, and Hebrews 11 continues with all the awesome things that God and his people have done through faith. Faith was their driving force. Now, why did they do it? Faith made them do it. Faith made them do all the things they've done. Take all the risks. Face armies against incredible odds. Walk around a city blowing their ram's horns for seven days, accomplishing nothing. In their eyes, how long did it take until the walls of Jericho fell? But by faith, they did those things. So apart from listing all the heroes, Hebrews 11 also gives us two very important insights into faith. What is faith? And why do we need faith? So what is faith? We see that in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It's a very well-known verse. Hebrews 11 verse 1. And it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It's being sure of these things even though you don't see it. That's the ESV version. The King James version says, and I like the King James version. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We're getting into a bit of semantics here. So assurance, substance. What is substance? I like that word. It is something tangible. The dictionary definition of substance is matter which has a tangible and solid presence. That's our faith. Our faith is tangible and solid. It's not an imaginative thing. It's not a pie-in-the-sky thing. Our faith has substance. Materi, matter. And the King James Version says, it is the evidence of things unseen. We have evidence. Again, it's not our imagination. There's evidence for it. Our faith has got substance and is based on evidence. And why do we need faith? That's Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. We just cannot please God if we have no faith. It's not my words. It's the writer of Hebrew. Hebrew's words. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. There is that faith that God exists. 
and that he rewards those who seek him. You said it in your message as well. If you draw near to God, you have to believe that God will draw near to you. And God will if you approach him in faith. The King James Version of this verse says pretty much the same thing. Except it says, you know, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is. God is. You can fill in many things after the is. He is awesome. He is great. He is merciful. God himself says, I am. It's a weird sentence for us. We don't use that sentence. I am. I am something. But God's I am is all encompassing. And this verse says, you must believe that God is. That is is all encompassing. He is all things. He sustains all things. He is everywhere. And through him, everything was made. So faith is the foundation of our relationship with Christ. We can only draw near to God if we believe that he is, that he exists through faith. And we must believe that he will reward us if we draw near to him. If we stretch out our hands in faith, like the woman with the blood flow, we must believe that he will stop and respond. That he will reward us when we seek him. So have you heard the saying, seeing is believing? Yes, I'm pretty sure you have. Seeing is believing. So do you think that this holds true for faith in Christ? Well, we literally just read that faith is the conviction of things that we don't see. (laughs) So we don't see them with our physical eyes. You know, and it's the conviction and the certainty of things we hope for. Even Jesus himself told Thomas, doubting Thomas. And Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So here's a quote from St. Augustine. He said this about faith. He said, faith is to believe what you do not see. Yeah, that's it. No, I'm joking. There's more. Faith is to believe what you do not see. But the reward of this faith is to see what you believe. So for us, seeing isn't believing. For us, believing is seeing. It's the other way around for us. Blessed are you if you believe but have not yet seen. This is hard for us to do, right? Because we do live in a world where we want evidence, where we have sayings like seeing is believing, where we want proof, where things are very scientific. We want evidence. So it might seem hard for us to place our faith in someone that we have not yet seen. But here's the thing is our faith should never be built on things like what we expect God to be like, what we think God is or looks like, our own experiences, conclusions we make, 
the conversations we have with other people, our imagination. Our faith cannot be based on those things. Because then that means God will look different for each and every one of us. Our faith can only be based on truth. The truth. The absolute truth. Absolute truth. So how do we know what's true? In this day and age, and I think we, you can all agree with me, that all truth is relative. Well, at least that's what the world is trying to push down on us. All truth is relative these days. There's my truth, then there's your truth, and then you know, the world has got its truth. Everybody's got a truth. Actually, except us, because as soon as we start saying anything, we are wrong. So in the world's eyes, we have got the least amount of truth. The plans of the enemy. Just a rabbit trail. I heard somebody say the other day that the, this new notion of tolerance, you know, where everybody should tolerate everybody else's point of view, everybody should tolerate everybody else's truth, the notion of tolerance is actually not the acceptance of all things. The notion of tolerance is the rejection. It's not about acceptance at all. Tolerance is about the rejection of anything absolute. So if you're willing to be gray on everything, then you are awesome. But as soon as you have an absolute opinion on anything, you are rejected. You are rejected by the world because you have an absolute opinion about something. That's a freebie, rabbit trail. It's not in my notes. So what is the truth? What is the truth, the absolute, absolute truth? John 14 verse 6, Jesus said to him, Uncle Stefan, you also used that one. You didn't know I was going to use this in my message. Scripture stealer. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the truth. Jesus. And I'm the life. No one comes to the Father Except through me. We cannot know God if we don't know the truth. And who is the truth? The truth is a person. It's Jesus. John 1 verse 1. Together with John 1 verse 14. So let's do John 1 verse 1. And it says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Anybody tell me who the word is? It's Jesus. How do we know this? John 1 verse 14. John 1 verse 14 says, And the word, what did the word do? The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Who became flesh. Was born 
of a virgin and dwelt among us. Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Jesus. Full of grace. And there it is again. Full of truth. Jesus is truth. Jesus is full of the truth. So there we see everything in one verse. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Word. And He is the truth. It's all synonymous. It's all one and the same person. Capital P. I forgot my Bible over there. I wanted to wave it around at this point and say, Jesus is, imagine this is my Bible. Jesus is the Word. He is the Word. Everything in the Bible is truth. The Bible is Jesus. Right? Scripture is breathed out by the Holy Spirit, written down for us to teach us, to paint pictures for us of the truth. And there is no other truth. There is no relative truth. There is only absolute truth. And that is the person of Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, getting back to faith. So now we're tying this back to faith. Faith comes... Faith comes. Faith comes to us. We don't generate faith. Faith comes to us. Jesus grants us the ability to have faith. But how does it come to us? We have a part to play. We can't just sit on our couches and expect our faith to grow. Faith comes, but it comes from hearing And hearing comes, Bible, hearing comes through the word. It comes through the word of Christ. We need to hear the word. This hearing includes, you know, anything and everything and all the sources in which we ingest the word. This could be a Sunday. Like today, where you're hearing this physically with your physical ears. You could also be doing this in your quiet time. And then you're hearing it with the ears of your heart. This hearing is not only for a Sunday when you hear it sitting there. This hearing is any and every place where you encounter Jesus. You're hearing the words of God. So we need to hear this word. We need to be in the word all the time, constantly. Don't just read one scripture a day, two scriptures a day. I know that's easy. I know we've got our Bible reading plans. And usually they only have like one little scripture, which is a little bit of a pep talk. You know, you're awesome. Do this. Be awesome. Nothing wrong with that. Hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. That's also awesome. 
But don't only stop there. Don't only read one scripture for your day. Spend time in God's word. Eat your fill. Eat from God's word until you're full. And then what do you do when you're full? You ask God to give you a bigger appetite. Then you eat more. It's not like earthly food. You know, we don't want to ask God to keep on giving you more appetite. It's a spiritual food. We always want to have a bigger appetite for Christ and for his truth. You know, the Bible is a written testimony of the absolute goodness, the absolute grace, the absolute mercy, the absolute love, power, faithfulness, all these absolute awesome attributes of God. In the Bible, that is how God reveals himself to us. The Bible is the full absolute truth. This is our faith fuel. This is what fuels our faith. It's the Bible. God's word. Being with Jesus. So this brings me back to my question that I have for you today. So how do we touch Jesus in a way that ensures we are changed. How do we touch Jesus in a way that ensures he engages with us? He responds to us. That he works in us and that he changes us. Are we like the hundreds of people that crowd around Jesus? They came to see Jesus, but they touched him without faith. Or are we like that one woman who stretches out our hand, we touch Jesus, and immediately Jesus stops. And he asks, who touched me? Because somebody touched me with faith. So ask that question in your hearts this morning and make out for yourself where you want to be. Are you in the crowd this morning? Or are you the woman this morning? And when he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. Do not fear, only believe. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. According to your faith, be it done to you. Your faith has healed you. We please God when we approach him with faith. I think to end, we can all associate with a dad with a dying daughter in Mark 9 verse 24. I didn't give you this one. Mark 9 verse 24. Where Jesus also asked the dad, do you believe that I can heal your daughter? And the dad with tears in his eyes, it says the father of the child cried out in tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Give me more faith. I have faith, Lord, but give me more. And I think we can associate. We've all been there. We've all been to different, uh, difficult and tough places where we say, yes, Lord, we believe. But please, Lord, grant me more faith. Some, some of you might know our battle where I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. It was a tough time 
for us as a family on this particular topic of faith. Where I quoted this verse many times and I said, Lord, yes, I have faith. But please, Lord, give me more. Grant me more faith. And that's just a little bit of my testimony. Even this morning's message. Faith. Because usually I take weeks to prepare a message. On Thursday, Darby said, they're leaving for the weekend. I'm like, oh, oh. What am I going to do? I have nothing. You should have prepped me for somebody dying in your family four weeks ago. (laughs) How insensitive. (laughs) But I just felt the Lord stir my heart and say, no, 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 no. I've got something for you to share and you're going to do this one day. And I had to have the faith that the Lord will give me a message. I'm sitting there in front of my laptop like, eh. I don't know what to start typing. I don't know what to do. But I prayed and said, Lord, please. I heard you speak. I heard you tell me that you are going to give me something for this Sunday. And as I was starting to type, just the verses came, verses came. Where I usually take a week, I took probably like 40 minutes with this service. I hope it doesn't show. Now afterwards, you're going to say, yeah, 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 I can see it only took 40 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Shanae. Um, faith, faith, church, faith, faith, faith. Let's close our eyes.